Purdy and McCaffrey. They fake it to him left. They fake McCaffrey right. They throw to Kittle over the middle. Five. Touchdown. San Francisco. A little razzle dazzle by Kyle Shanahan. What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Niners Nation Instant Reaction Podcast. I am Rob Stascarera here with Akash Anavarath. And Akash, the Niners are NFC West champions, baby. Let's go. What a win on the road in Seattle. Third string quarterback, battling injuries, short week, seventh straight win. I mean, you could just rattle this stuff off. Doesn't matter how it looked. I knew coming into Thursday night, you know, short week, these games are always weird. It didn't matter as long as they found a way to win. They did that. They take care of business. And now all focus towards seeding in the playoffs. Unbelievable. For most of this game, even though on the scoreboard, the Niners weren't dominating. I mean, it was it was like church. That's how quiet it was in Seattle. It was unbelievable. There was no life in the building at all. I saw videos of Seattle fans leaving. I know they made it close at the end, but you said it. Let's just take a step back and look at where we are. The 49ers are starting Brock Purdy at quarterback, and yet they're the first team in the NFL to clinch their division. Now the pressure's on the Vikings to beat the Colts tomorrow or uh, Saturday, excuse me, or the Niners could be the two seed by the end of the week. Absolutely. And now the 49ers can also finish no worse than the number three seed just because they beat the Bucks last week. I think they're three games up in the loss column. So they're at worst going to be the three seed. They're going to have a home playoff game potentially against the Giants, Commanders, maybe the Lions, one of those teams possibly, uh, and be heavy favorites in that game, even with Brock Purdy at quarterback. And to, I mean, we can't even talk enough about his performance tonight and just how poised he looked for a rookie making his first road start in a divisional game at Seattle, which is probably one of the toughest environments to play in in the NFL. And he just looked so poised, so comfortable. And that last play, you know, stretching out the ball, diving, staying to get the first down is just representative of what he did all game and just the confidence that this team has in him as well. Very, very good point. That scramble by Brock which is a play that they don't call with Jimmy Garoppolo under center because he's just not mobile enough to make it. Uh, I didn't think he got the first down, but he extended the ball because they're they're real sketchy with those slides. Like the second you start to slide, they normally mark you down, but it was where the ball was when he started the slide and uh, he got the first down. It was a little dicey at the end, but Tom is America watching on my Twitch page at Stats on Fire. It's a good point. From three and four to NFC West champions, you take a step back and look where they were at one point this season and what we were saying about the Niners, about Kyle Shanahan. It was dark for a little while, and now they're just rolling. Absolutely. And last season, it was putting Debo Samuel in the backfield that absolutely changed their yep. outlook midway through the season. This year, it's the Christian McCaffrey trade. You know, ever since they got him, and if we take out the Chiefs game, they've been 7-0 and since. And, you know, their offense has looked completely different uh, since he's arrived. And, I mean, tonight, I know a lot of people online were complaining about the number of touches he was getting on a short week. Yep. But 26 carries, 108 yards, a touchdown run there. He had a huge 23-yard gain. He also had six catches for 30 yards on eight targets. I mean, how many touches is that? I think that's, what, 32 touches total in the game? Yep. So he was vital. His arrival has just completely changed that this offense. And even with Purdy now, they've been the most efficient group in the NFL. And let's see if they can just continue to, you know, utilize this formula heading into January. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey has started seven games for the 49ers. He has eight touchdowns, four rushing, three receiving, and one passing. You're right totally changed the entire season. If they go into this game with no Christian McCaffrey, cause they don't make that trade. And then Debo is out. And then you got Brock Purdy. Now you're like really worried about the offense, but just having Christian McCaffrey there was absolutely critical for the Niners tonight. I actually saw a tweet and let's see if I can bring it up really fast. Uh, McCaffrey had most, the most scrimmage touches for any 49ers players in the first half since 1991. That's 
crazy. It was Gore had 19 against the Browns in 2011. Christian McCaffrey had 19 tonight. Like, damn. But they needed to rely on Christian. Absolutely. And, you know, we came into the week talking about Seattle's weak run defense and how they've been giving up 100-plus yards to anybody and everybody. And a lot of us thought Jordan Mason would be the one to get the workload considering it's a short week. He has fresh legs. Do you really want to push Christian McCaffrey that much? But when he's in the game, what they're able to disguise, whether it's a run or a pass, where he's able to line up, it just provides so much versatility. And Kyle Shanahan said, we're just going to milk CMC all the way to this division title. And, you know, just just phenomenal performance from him. And, and even on one of the last carries there, I think he had like a 13 or 14-yard run. He got up disappointed, and he was pointing at himself like, my bad. Like, that should have been bigger. And just speaks to the type of person he is as well. But to go from where they were at 3-4 and four to now at 10-4, and four, probably staring, you know, 12, 13 wins in the face, just an amazing, amazing season from this entire team. Jason watching on the YouTube page. Thanks for the super chat. Rob, how in the hell did we just win the division with no Debo and a rookie seventh round draft pick at quarterback this season is knocking futz. Yes, it is. It always is with the 49ers. You know, I was watching the game with my wife and she turned and she was like, hasn't everything that could happen in a football game already happened before? How do you keep coming up with stuff to talk about? And I just looked at her and I was like, are you serious with this team? It never stops, man. It's easy. We don't have to come up with stuff to talk about. It just happens. Um, But yeah, I agree with everything you said about the running game. I think Kyle looked at this game like not, I don't want to say the final push, but I think part of the reason he relied on McCaffrey so much is we got the mini buy now. After this, like you said, they're locked into one of the top three seeds. I think Kyle kind of knew a little bit like, hey, I can ease up a little down the stretch here. So if I've got to, you know, ride some guys to win this Thursday night game, it'll be worth it and we'll have the time. Absolutely. And now think about it. I know they play on a Saturday, but it's a very ideal time to play on a Saturday because you're just coming off of the Thursday game. So they got the next nine days off. They're going to get this weekend off. They're not going to be back to really practice till Tuesday night, right? Normally it'd be Wednesday for a Sunday game because they play on Saturday would probably be Tuesday. So you get three, four days off to rest your bodies. You know, Brock Purdy still hurting. Yep. Um, and Christian McCaffrey, hopefully again, gets a ton of rest in these next four days. And I know, you know, you've won the division. You've got three games to go. That's unique, right? Because in 2019, it went all the way to the <laughs> final play yep. of the final game to clinch the division. Now it's a little bit of a unique situation for Kyle, right? They've never made the playoffs where they've kind of had to manage their team over the last few weeks. Good point. But I still think they're going to be uh, fighting here, especially with Brock Purdy, who needs the reps in this offense to just continue to get comfortable with his offensive playmakers. And again, they're still fighting for a two seed. That two seed is still really, really valuable because it, mm-hmm. you know, it guarantees you a second home game if you're able to win in that uh, opening wild card round. So I think the Vikings have three games that they're probably going to be favored in. Uh, a couple of divisional games. I think they finish out with the Bears and the Packers, and they got the Colts, like you mentioned this week. So we'll definitely be paying close attention to that. But just, just such an impressive outing today for the 49ers. If we could sort of dive into this one a little bit, I thought that the game swung in the second quarter, two minutes to go before the half, third and 11. Brock Purdy drops back looking for Juwan Jennings over the middle. He throws a ball he never should have thrown. Quandre Diggs sees it. He's there. He goes to catch the ball. He drops the interception. The Niners punt. Seattle gets the ball back. Dre Greenlaw smashes the ball carrier. Ward picks it up, returns the ball to the five-yard line. Two plays later, Christian McCaffrey runs it in for a touchdown. To me, that is absolutely where the game swung on that sequence in the second quarter. Couldn't agree more. And that play by Dre Greenlaw, I mean, everyone calls him big play Dre. I'm going to start calling him all pro Dre just because, honestly, he's been playing like the 49ers' best linebacker over these past few weeks. And that's a huge, huge compliment considering he plays next to Fred Warner. But he plays with his hair on fire. Obviously forced the turnover today. It seemingly, he seems to be in, in on every single play, making mm-hmm. violent tackles. And this 49ers defense this year, why I think it's better than the 2019 year, aside from all the advanced metrics and stuff, they force turnovers, they force takeaways, and they seem to come at the most important opportune spots. And 
you couldn't have picked a better time. And exactly that sequence that you mentioned there is kind of defining of their season, right? Where the other team just can't take advantage of an opportunity. 49ers take advantage of it. And this team is so talented that you can't afford to miss opportunities against them. Because if you do, they will finish you. And that's exactly what happened tonight. Even when their offense, like you mentioned throughout the game, wasn't as efficient and as good as we've used to been seeing these past few weeks, understandably so. And, um, but it still didn't matter. It was weird. The offense was weird. Like there were certain plays where you're like, Kyle's in his bag, dialing it up. Here's George Kittle for a 50 yard touchdown line. You're like that double screen, the double fake screen pass on Kittle's first touchdown. That's awesome, man. That's Bill Walsh from 1987 ran that play. I swear to God, like that's Kyle in his bag looking good. But then there were other stretches where they just, I don't know. They just didn't look quite sharp enough. And it was frustrating at times because like I said, at the top, I thought the Niners dominated the game everywhere except the scoreboard. I mean, they were controlling the lines of scrimmage. Seattle's offense was doing nothing. And yet I tweeted at one point and everybody got on me like, hey, Seattle's one play away from being right back in the game. And then Fant catches the touchdown pass. And lo and behold, the Seahawks were right back in the game. It was a weird night. It was Thursday. So maybe that was part of it. But the defense bailed them out again, as they always, always do. Absolutely. And it, it's funny because I, I said this during the game. It felt like every Seahawks 49ers game goes this way, where yep. the 49ers seem to be dominating the yards, time of possession, and just kind of the feel of the game where you're like, man, they're just, they have Seattle on the ropes. And then you look up at the scoreboard and it's like a one possession game or it's like a 10 point game. Yep. It's right where Seattle is like one drive from getting right back into the game. And you're like, oh man, here we go again. Um, <laughs> It's it's easier these days when Russell Wilson isn't on the opposing sideline. Right? Very true. When he's there, you know, all bets are off. But this this 49ers defense, you just had a feeling once they got to, what was it, like 21-6, you were just like, I can't see the 49ers defense giving up two touchdowns here to the Seahawks offense. And they gave up that late drive. I know Mooney Ward wasn't playing. Janoris Jenkins was out there playing corner. He got picked on a few times. Talano Hufunga, I think, busted the coverage on the touchdown. So, you know, that that was one of those like late game Niners seemingly just playing off coverage and they just get they just go boom, boom, boom right down the field. But, yeah, I mean, this defense outside of that touchdown drive, I think forced like what, seven or eight punts today. Yeah, um, they, they were outstanding. And this pass rush, Nick Nicholas John Bosa, as Richard Sherman likes to call him. Yes. Felt like he was winning on every play. I mean, how does this? national stage performance not vault him into the leader in the deep you know defensive player of the year race and by the way i should point out that this game would have been over wrapped up if they didn't call a disgusting roughing the passer on nick bosa on the diamador lenore pick six like that would have made it 28 to 6 the game would have been over just absolutely finished and Nick Bosa gets, a, I don't even know how they called that penalty on him that negated the Lenore pick six. So it shouldn't have even been as close as it was. <laughs> Sorry, I, I was laughing because George Kittle's on my screen here. He's got feels great, baby, dash 10 written on his shirt. Brock Purdy's got his conquered the West shirt and he's heading to the Thursday night football set. Could you have imagined when the season started if I had told you Brock freaking Purdy was going to lead this team in Seattle to a division title and was going to do the post-game press conference? Not to take away from your point about the pick six and the roughing the passer, which was an egregious call. But No, I you're right, man. Like, I think we even talked about it when, when they let Sudfeld go. We were like, ah, you know, they're really going with Brock Purdy. And I think, I, I don't know if it was me. I know it was at least one of us said, why are we talking about Brock Purdy? If we're talking about Brock Purdy during the year, things have gone horribly wrong. And yet, as you just said, here we are. And not only did he lead them to a division title, like you said, like he made critical plays at the end of the game to help him get there. Absolutely. And his just poise and confidence and comfort in this offense, you watch him and somehow I feel more calm watching him compared to some of the other quarterbacks on this roster and not to take a shot at them, but he just seems so comfortable. And outside of that one throw that he kind of airmailed and could have been picked by Quandre Dix, he didn't really put the ball in harm's way outside of that. That's Had a true. Couple of 
dimes to Juwan Jennings on third down. I mean, the third, and I think it was third and seven, backed up against his own end zone. 49ers run the double slants that they like to do on third down. Boom, hits Juwan Jennings. He hit Ayuk on the third down on the following drive in stride. Ayuk dropped it. Oh, <laughs> Brandon, what are you doing? And here's the other thing. Kyle Shanahan draw, draws up these wide-ass open plays. Yep. His playmakers week in and week out. And they've been hit or miss, right, on those leak plays to the tight ends and the fullbacks. He drew up three today. Brock Purdy hit all of them, right? Obviously, the touchdown played to Kittle down the middle. The touchdown played to Kittle. The second one, which they've been setting up for a few weeks now, and then the last throw to Tyler Croft off the play action, hit all three of them in stride, uh, allowing those guys to make yards after, after the catch. I mean, he just inspires more and more confidence week in and week out as you watch him. And I know a lot of people wrote the 49ers off as contenders after Purdy had to play with the injury to Garoppolo. But you watch this team and you watch how they play and that defense and that quarterback and you just you're just like okay, I'll take my chances with that squad in the playoffs against any team. That's exactly the thought I had. I'll take my chances. Like, yeah, bring it on. I'm not scared of anybody. Philly, Dallas, Minnesota, pfft, whoever you want to throw in there. Andre watching on the YouTube page. Purdy's already doing everything Jimmy did and a little bit more. Purdy at least can move and scramble. No way this kid should have been a seventh rounder. He's already better than Zach Wilson. That may actually be true. Um, <laughs> Let's see. Maxime watching on YouTube. Don't want to whine after a seven game win streak, but the fourth and two punt after drawing an offsides. Yeah. You know what? There were a couple of head scratching plays by Kyle Shanahan. Like, hey, Kyle, when you're on your own one yard line, you don't call a timeout to avoid a delay of game penalty because you only move back half an inch. Like he wasn't totally sharp. He had a bad challenge in this game, but it's Thursday, man. Like, you know, Sometimes the coaches aren't sharp on Thursdays either. <laughs> Kyle Shanahan's probably slept like all of nine hours. Right. Night. Like he's probably slept in his office multiple days this week. But I agree. I mean, that fourth and two punt was nuts. I mean, it was fourth and seven. They get the offsides. You get the fourth and two. And I'm like, okay, they're going to go for this. You're in plus territory. Your defense at that point had stuffed the Seahawks for, I think, only one first down, three punts. So you're like, well, this is the spot where if you don't get it, you trust your defense to get a stop. And if you do get it, then you just keep going, right? And he punted, horrible punt, and ends up in the end zone and only net like 17 yards. So his his game management still mm-hmm. leaves a little to be desired, as we've talked about before. It hasn't quite bit them in the ass yet, right. and hopefully it doesn't. But, yeah, I, they go more off of vibes on those fourth-down decision-making <laughs> than they do like the analytics. And, and sometimes, I, yeah, you know, leaves our, you know, us head-scratching most of the time adventures with Paul good luck playing with the Eagles in the playoffs like what why would I be shaking in my boots to play the Eagles go look at the Eagles schedule this year and tell me why they should be you know this big bad team in the NFC who's their best win the Cowboys okay the Packers the Giants like who is the win that the Eagles have had where you're like oh my god they're so terrifying it isn't there man I'm sorry I'm not scared of the Eagles absolutely and and the Eagles you know their record the talent they have on on both sides of the ball especially in the trenches right I think they probably have the best offensive line in football their defensive line is nearly as deep as the 49ers I would just blindly I'm gonna I'm gonna take Kyle Shanahan this defense against Nick Sirianni, Jalen Hurts, and that team is is just that simple. And yeah, you know, in a in a one game playoff, we'll see what happens. And I think we've said this for a while now. The Eagles, Cowboys, 49ers are your contenders in the NFC. And the team that only has to play one of those three teams is gonna have an advantage, right? Because either the one of those teams is gonna have to play both to get to the Super Bowl, and that team's just gonna be inherently at a disadvantage. And the 49ers, as it sets up right now, I think there's a path where they only have to play one of the Eagles or the Cowboys, depending on how the seeding kind of finishes out. And I think that's ultimately going to be their biggest advantage. Right. So I think right now they're the three seed. Uh, so they would play the Commanders in the first round. If they beat the Commanders, they would then play the would they play the winner of Bucks Cowboys? Or does that go to fit? No, that would go to Philly, right? It, it So it reseeds. So how it works is the Eagles will play the lowest seed remaining. So let's assume, you know, the Eagles obviously get the bye. Let's assume the Vikings, Niners, and Cowboys win opening weekend. 
the Cowboys would go to Philly. The Niners would go to Minnesota, which if you're a Niner fan, you would sign up for right now. <laughs> I'm sending the limo to bring <laughs> right uh, in the divisional round. And the Eagles and Cowboys would play each other, which would be an awesome matchup. And then, you know, assuming the Niners win there and not getting too ahead of ourselves, you would play one of those two teams who probably just, you know, had a tough time just getting past, you know, either Philly or Dallas. So you, you take your chances there. And so that's why I think, the bracket is actually setting up nicely. Yep. 49ers. I totally agree. If you're telling me we got one of those teams for a shot at the Super Bowl, like, yeah, like you said, I'll take my chances any day of the week. Absolutely. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I, I still think that the Niners could get that two seed. I really do. Um, I don't have any faith in Minnesota. They could lose any of these games down the stretch, including to the Colts. I mean, hell, the Colts beat the Chiefs this year somehow. I still don't know how that's a true statement. But um, I just is just an incredible night. The Niners are division freaking champions. Only the second division championship under Kyle Shanahan. First time Kyle Shanahan's had back-to-back winning seasons, back-to-back double-digit 10-win seasons. You know, Jason Aponte said it earlier this week, Akash. Kyle's been kind of knocking down all the narratives against him this year, right? Under 500 as a head coach. That's out the window now. Doesn't go for it on fourth down. He's actually started to go for it on fourth down a little bit more. Now, all of a sudden, you've got back-to-back double-digit 10-win seasons. Can't win without Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, he hasn't lost with Brock freaking Purdy. Like, this has been a, this must be a super satisfying year for Kyle Shanahan, who I said last week, and I'm going to say it again, absolutely deserves to be in the running for coach of the year. 1,000%. And... I will. I am as big of a Kyle Shanahan defender on the internet streets as there is. Hell, Kyle Posey and I, we call our podcast The Shanna Plan, which you should subscribe to, by the way, because we admire the head coach so much and what he brings to the table. And I tweeted this out. Since 2019, they've won the division twice. They've had four playoff wins, and they'll get the opportunity to win more this season. They've had two NFC title game appearances. They've had a Super Bowl appearance. They've had three 10-plus win seasons. I mean, they won 10 games last year, and their season was like halfway done, you know, midway through the year last year. And once again, they were 3-4 and four at one point this year, 10-4, and four, probably headed towards 12 wins. And he's done this with four different starting quarterbacks. <laughs> four different starting quarterbacks, and not just like, you know, for a game or two, right? Trey Lance started, what, three games, four games? Purdy now three games. Uh, Nick Mullen started a bunch of games in 2020 and then obviously Jimmy Garoppolo and, you know, just continues to be successful. And and at the end of the day, beyond just being the offensive play caller, the head coach, he's ultimately the CEO of this team, right? So every player that's on this team has, you know, at some point or the other been handpicked by this coach as well. And he's put together a hell of a roster and absolutely, I think should be in the running for coach of the year. I think Nick Sirianni probably is, you know, one of the other contenders there, the Eagles record, is probably going to give him the slight edge over Shanahan. I thought Shanahan deserved it in 2019. I think it went to John Harbaugh that year. Yeah. I mean, the job he's doing with this team, with the amount of injuries they've had, with the rotation at the quarterback position, and all the turmoil, even if some of it's been self-inflicted, I just think, you know, you, you as a Niner fan, you pride yourself in that guy being your head coach. And uh, it, it was funny when a lot of people wanted him fired earlier in the year. And look at where they are now. Good thing we don't fire coaches in the middle. Oh, wait, we do, but we didn't this year. Thank God. Uh, Adam, watching on the YouTube page, can we talk about the offensive line? Other than Trent, they got very little love going into the year. We didn't even have a center. They just moved a guard over. Well, we've got Jake Brendel at center. He's been locking it down. I mean, I was legitimately worried about the offensive line in the beginning of the year, and I think it took them a little time, and maybe part of that was the changes on the coaching staff for the 49ers. There was pretty much changes at almost every offensive position, obviously Mike McDaniel going away, but the running game seems to have rounded into form a little bit. I know they weren't totally at their best tonight, but for the most part, the last, what is it? I think six out of the last seven, maybe now seven out of the last eight, they've run for at least a hundred yards. The offensive line is starting to shove some people around Akash. Absolutely. And, you know, tonight probably wasn't their best performance in terms from a run blocking standpoint, the Jordan Mason carry at the end, there's going to skew the overall rushing numbers, right? I think they ended up with like 170, 
170 on like 34 carries. So it looks good, but yep. really it was a 55-yard run at the end. So I think they were averaging somewhere around three yards a clip going into that. So, you know, they weren't quite as efficient as they've been. It just felt like Seattle like was selling their soul to stop the run today. And what that did was spring open big plays in the passing game, right? And you saw that multiple times. They would run McCaffrey on early downs, and boom, Kyle Shanahan would have a play right off of it, right? It was the Tyler Croft play. If you go back and watch, play action, there's like three linebackers just flying full speed towards McCaffrey. Or the second touchdown to George Kittle, same thing, right? They So much attention to these running backs is now opening up things in the pass game. And Brock Purdy's hitting them, which is the biggest thing. So I just think as an offense, they're just starting to hum a little bit. And at the root of it, the offensive line, I think they've given up one sack now in the last two weeks. Um, so from a pass blocking standpoint, they've been outstanding and it's just continuity, right? Offensive lines generally just get better. The more they play together, those five guys and Daniel Brunskill as a sixth man have just been healthy playing together the majority of the season. And even Mike McGlinchey looked pretty good, even though they're going to call for that holding penalty. So I just think they're just going to be a tough out given how well they play in the trenches. It's nice to see them start to come together a little bit. I mean, Aaron Banks has been so much better than I thought he could ever be. I mean, he went from literally not dressing last year at multiple points to now he's like locking it down at left guard. Uh, I That's not usually a journey that people make in the NFL, but he's absolutely doing it. So credit to him, credit to the entire offensive line. Uh, going back to this game specifically, I love that they, the way they use Kittle tonight. They used him effectively. They used his yards after catch ability. Obviously, he had the two touchdowns. You know, he had an interview with Tony Gonzalez before the game, and it was the first time I ever heard him kind of say out loud, like, yeah, I wish I got more catches. I wish I got more yards. I wish I got more touchdowns, but we're winning. Like, he he took the high road, but it's the first time I've ever seen him sort of express frustration a little bit. And with Debo Samuel out, I thought that they needed to lean on Kittle a little bit more. I know he only had four catches in the game, but they were all big catches. I'd like to see that a little more going forward. Absolutely. And I think today was a better, I know the passing attempts were down, but it was, it felt like a better balance of distributing the ball, right? We know Debo Samuel it felt like Jennings had a couple of his key third downs. Obviously Kittle had the big plays. They got Ayuk. felt like he got a couple of targets. I think he only ended up with a catch or two. Uh, let's see what he ended up Two with. catches, 19 yeah. yards on four targets. Yeah. And it felt like they just, they had an emphasis going into the game. Like, Hey, we're going to attack the linebackers, right? KP and I do the segment, like who's the mark. And it felt like 57 and <laughs> six for the Seahawks were the mark. And Kyle Shanahan just said, here, take the cheese. And Kittle was wide open multiple times. So, you know, you love to see Kittle get involved and you realize when he, when he plays like a receiving tight end, how impactful he can be in, uh, in that side of the game as well, um, not just when he's used as a blocker. I continue to say blocking is still the second best thing George Kittle does, even though he's really freaking good at it. Like, he is incredible as a receiver. After the catch, you see him on that first touchdown. He gets away from the first guy, and I literally said out loud, like, oh, he's got it. Like, he's not, he's not getting tackled. He's running for a touchdown. Like, you could just tell. It's incredible, and I hope they do it more, especially if, you know, as Debo's going to be out a little bit here for the next couple weeks. I'm scrolling through Twitter right now, just seeing pictures of Trey Lance in the Concord, the West jersey. I'm seeing the celebration in the locker room, which is pretty good. Trent Williams is already friggin' partying. Those guys are going to have so much fun. How much fun must it be to clinch a division title on Thursday and just know, like, we got nine days off. We're good. This is going to be a hell of a night. Absolutely. And I was doing the same thing, scrolling through Twitter, the videos from the locker room. Reminds me of 2019 when they clinched. And that was different, right? They clinched in week 17. You had a playoff game. I guess they had a bye that year, so technically they had a week off um, before the playoffs. But you just had to lock in really quickly, whereas now they get the next four days off, right? Mm-hmm. Coaches aren't going to ask them of anything. I think they – I heard the team holiday parties on Saturday, right? The team usually does a Christmas party at Levi's. So now they've clinched the division, and I feel like it's going to be like a three-day-long party. That plane ride home, even though the NFL says you got to be, you know, no alcohol and stuff, I'm sure they are going to be (laughs) on that two-hour plane ride home from Seattle back to San Jose. And, uh, yeah, they deserve it. I mean, 
just the way they've played these last seven weeks have been been awesome to watch. And so good for the boys. I'm trying to keep an eye on some of the post-game quotes. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, on the team's view of Brock Purdy, said, quote, they had a lot of respect for him before that game, but they've got a lot more now. I wonder how banged up he really was, Akash. You know, there were points in this game where I was wondering, maybe he's not feeling that great. He took a shot early on to it. It was his first incompletion. Diggs came on a blitz, and he was unblocked, and he got drilled. And I was just wondering, like, man, maybe Brock basically just kind of gutted this one out a little bit. I think so. I saw an Adam Schefter tweet that basically talked about how hurt Brock Purdy was. And I think what he had said, let me pull this up. What makes Brock Purdy's performance that much more impressive is that he was far from 100% with his rib and oblique injuries. One team official wondered if Purdy would make it through tonight's game. Another one texted me, he's in pain going into this game. So it tells you Brock Purdy was nowhere close to 100%. And Kyle Shanahan and this team probably respect him even more after the fact, right? Knowing just probably how much pain he was in, how much treatment he was going through this week. Considering it's a short week, you're also trying to prepare for the game plan. Yep. Get your body right uh, for this game. And then to come out and play like that, to come out and play like that, where you don't turn the ball over, obviously have the one turnover-worthy play, but still outside of that, creating plays. I mean, the play where he fell down, got up, and then made the throw <laughs> to Ray Ray McLeod, I think there's like three or four quarterbacks in this league that make that play. And if Patrick Mahomes did that, it would have been all over ESPN, all that stuff. And it's true. And I think we've just become, you know, kind of numb to how quarterbacks in this offense operate, right? You just think, okay, kind of do what Kyle expects of you, and it'll be okay. And he's really creating plays. And the more he plays like this, you just start to believe a little bit more, right? You know, against the Dolphins, you're like, okay, he's got something. Now he's got a week to prepare. It's a Todd Bowles defense. Like, how's he going to look as a starter? Like, okay, check, look great. The next thing, short week, on the road, first game in Seattle. Like, what's he going to look like? Check, look good. And yep. just knocking tests, knocking all these tests out week by week. It's just, it starts to make you believe more and more in this team um, as he plays this way. Shanahan, after the game on Brock Purdy, quote, he's definitely the most poised rookie I've ever had. That's a huge compliment from Kyle Shanahan. He also said, we were going to see how long Brock could let it go. And we were ready to go with Josh Johnson. And I said to Levin this morning, can you imagine if we had to see Josh Johnson in Seattle? Like we were close to Josh Johnson in Seattle playing for a division title without having a single full speed practice rep with the 49ers. And I don't, and I don't think they would have won that game with Josh. Johnson. <laughs> he made just enough plays and is just familiar enough with this offense, obviously that I think they probably don't win that game with Josh Johnson, even with the defense playing that way. It's just, I mean, Johnson was on a different team like 10 days ago, and it would have been extremely hard for us to expect him to step into this position and lead them to a win. So that tells you that much more about Brock Purdy that he probably wasn't even thinking about not playing this week. I'm sure he was focused all week on just getting his body right, making sure he was as close to 100% as possible coming into this game. And like Adam Schefter said, he has 10 days to recover. Hopefully he gets right. And, uh, yeah, on to Washington. Yeah, and you know what? If you've got to start Josh Johnson for one of the games, like, you live with it because they clinched the NFC West title. Um, okay, see, Nelson watching on the YouTube page. Most poised rookie I've ever had is Kyle throwing shade. No, I think he's just complimenting Brock Purdy. He's not throwing shade at Trey Lance. I, I think that's something that we've used with Brock Purdy a lot, right, poise. And it's something you just get with watching him. You just... He just looks so confident. I mean, they were backed up against the end zone there. And you're like, oh, God, that's a spot earlier this year that Jimmy Garoppolo ran into a safety. <laughs> Bad play call, whatever, right? But with that crowd noise ramping up, it's a two-possession game. You're on the road. You know, you could start to just, you know, get out of control there. And he just played within himself. And some of those third downs he made, he just looks like a veteran. And I think – if you're Kyle, some of the guys on this offensive staff, you're probably just really impressed with what he's doing. I mean, he's, he's 22. He was a seventh-round pick. Yep. He was playing at Iowa State this time last year <laughs> for a bowl game. I think they played in, like, the Cheez-It Bowl last year. <laughs> now he's winning the NFC West on the road in Seattle, where they haven't won 
you know, they've won once since 2011. I mean, just just an insane story to like write about. Levin Black, our own Levin Black chiming in. Kyle had Robert Griffin III as Rookie of the Year. So to say Brock was the most poised is a big compliment. That's very true, Levin. Thanks for joining the show for a comment, but you couldn't join the show to host. Thanks a lot. Uh, Kevin Jones watching on YouTube. Really wish Jordan Mason got that touchdown. Hopefully they'll let him play more. Also, you should correct the description to say Akash, not Vish. Yeah, so here's what happened, people. Vish was set to join, and he got sick. So Akash jumped in here, so we appreciate the pinch hitting. Of course, of course. We just subbed in one uh, one Indian guy for the other. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't think it that. It was right there. <laughs> yeah, just decided to get all over it. But, uh, yeah, wow. better, Vish. I didn't know he wasn't coming on. I just got hyped, and I always enjoyed jo- hopping on with Rob, and sometimes it's just hard with the schedules and stuff. But tonight it was a- I was able to, so I just texted him, and I always love talking with talking with Rob. But Yeah. Love it, baby. I love everybody into the pool on the instant reaction. I don't care. Even if Vish was here, I was still going to tell you to come on the show. Dante Whitner just said this is the best 49er defense ever on the NBC Sports Bay Area postgame show. I don't know if I'm willing to go that far. I think people are sleeping on some of those defenses they had in the 80s. But it is damn good, and it's definitely the best defense Kyle has ever had. Absolutely. And we said this kind of earlier in the show, but this 2022 defense is the best that Kyle Shanahan's had. I'd argue it's the best 49ers defense they've had both under Harbaugh and Shanahan. I think they're the most talented, all three levels. They've got dudes, right? Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead. I mean, Eric Armstead has made such a difference. Yes. It's not going to open the box score, but we'll cut up clips and we'll show you where he's pushing the pocket. He's making things happen for other guys. Um, and then obviously linebacking core, Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner look like Navarro Bowman, Patrick Willis right now. I mean, they're absolutely flying around Fred Warner playing at all three levels, right? He's able to blitz, create pressure. He's covering wide receivers up the seam, Dre Greenlaw forcing turnovers. And then in the secondary, right? I think the broadcast made a comment. Charverius Ward was following DK Metcalf as long as he wasn't in the slot. Yep. That's why you go sign a guy like that in free agency. So you can just say, hey, Charverius Ward, go lock up 14 and take him out this game. And Winnie Ward did a really, really good job. And so they've got playmakers at all three levels. Obviously, Talanoa Hufunga um, as well in that, in that mix. And their ability to force turnovers, I think they're up to, I think it's like 12 or 13 touchdowns they've given up on the season. And they've got like 14 takeaways. <laughs> it's absolutely stupid what they're doing. And efficiency wise, metrics wise. And I just think they're the best defense that the 49ers have had in this last like decade or so. We have to look, I'd have to dig deeper into the numbers to see if they're, you know, I, I can think of like the 2015 Broncos that won the Super Bowl and then the 2013, 2012 Seahawks, obviously. But this Niners defense is really, really good. And another reason why you just believe, right? Whenever you have a defense that plays that well and that sound, you just have a chance in every game. They're going to keep games, you know, low scoring. And this defense especially forces turnovers, so they're giving you short fields to work with. Yep. And so it just puts less pressure on your offense and the rest of the team to make things happen. And that's why I think they're always going to be in these playoff games. Yeah, that's exactly why you said it earlier, right? I'll take my chances because it's not like the Niners are going to have to put up 35 points most of the time in order to win games. Uh, I always say this name wrong, and I apologize. You got to hit me up so I can say it properly. Is it Tontera? Tontera? I'm sorry. However you say it, uh, any update on Charvarius Ward? He was checked out for a concussion. He was cleared. Did he actually return to the game, or was he just cleared? I don't. I can't remember off the top of my head, but... I think he was cleared, but then they held him back. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if they got to that last defensive drive, if they would have put him back in over Janoris Jenkins. Jackrabbit. That signing. Remember, it was like, oh, the Niners are signing Jackrabbit. And I'm sitting there like nervous, like, oh, no, who's hurt? And Kyle Shanahan's just like, nope, he was there. He wanted to sign. So we did it. And then sure enough, like two weeks later, he's playing the game. Oh, man. I Because he's wearing 22 and had dreads. And so pregame, I was like, is that Jason Verrett out there? <laughs> and like, oh, no. And you can't see his name, too, right? Because his, right. his covers the back of his jersey. And then you're like, oh, that's Janoris Jenkins. And then he's obviously – I think he made the tackle on the opening kickoff. So you're like, this guy's 34. He's running kickoff on special. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then he gets in the game on defense, and you're like, oh, my God, their depth on depth in the secondary is so thin right now because I think Ambry Thomas, who was who ankle. had an ankle coming into the game, yep. was ruled out during the game. And then Mooney Ward goes down, and you're like, oh, my God, it's Jenkins and Lenore <laughs> against Metcalf and Lockett. But uh, luckily they <laughs> Say that sentence on Jenkins and Lenore against Metcalf and Lockett. Although I thought Gino, like, I think the defense rattled Gino a little bit. I mean, he's kind of come back down to earth a little, but I mean, they had, I think at one point it was up to nine quarterback hits in the game. Nick Ellert watching on YouTube says, you forgot to mention Gino gets smoked at least twice a game. He does. And he did. Uh, he got smoked by Hufanga tonight. Oh, man, Hufanga had another Sketchy coverage night, but he still finds a way to make big plays every single week. Um, but I thought Gino was rattled by some of the pressure tonight. I mean, he was getting clobbered all night long. It felt like Nick Bosa was just getting in as low of a sprinter stance as I've seen. And he was just toying with those <laughs> tackles. Eric Armstead pushing the pocket. Samson Ebukam with a couple of pressures. Thought Drake Jackson got in there. Charles Menuhu another guy along the interior. And then on top of that, D'Amico Ryan's like, okay, you think our defensive line just can't get home? Well, let me send a couple of extra guys um, on some blitzes. I mean, they opened, I think the opening series, they sent like a six-man blitz on the first third down. And Gino was just running for his life, it felt like. And I don't know how many sacks. I think they ended up with three or four at the end of that game. But I can't wait to see how many pressures this defense generated um tomorrow when the pff numbers come out because that might be one of nick bose's best i think he had a 15 pressure game earlier this season which was a clear <laughs> high there's a chance he tops that yeah it was absolutely ridiculous dundale okay see or dundale i never would have guessed that how am i supposed to know that man would have never guessed it either but Shout i out. appreciate yeah i appreciate the super chat nonetheless I also think it's just a little bit sweeter to clinch the division in Seattle. Don't you think like it's always great to clinch the division and it, I guess it would have been cool to do it against the Rams too, but doing it against the Seahawks in Seattle, having to watch all their fans, watch the Niners celebrate. It is a little sweeter. I'm not going to lie. I, uh, you know, I thought about that today and as someone that has lived that lived in Seattle, you know, for four or five years, it, it honestly made me miss Seattle today. Cause I was like, man, I wish I was there. Cause just being in that city and a lot of 49er fans live up there and the 49ers fans travel well up to that game and the energy in the city is just a little different. But I still think it's sweeter when you win at home. And I think back to when they won the NFC Championship in 2019 and you see the confetti flying and they have the, the, you know, the trophy celebration at midfield. Obviously, they don't do that for a division championship, but it's just different you know, when they light up the scoreboard. Obviously, the fans are there celebrating. It's just, just a different feeling. You don't get that very often, right? The 49ers have won the division twice under Shanahan. They won it, what, once under Harbaugh? My, is that right? Once or twice? Uh, yeah, I think only once because, yeah. And I think they were the wild card the other two times. So, yeah, I mean, it does not happen often. So that's why, you know, you celebrate, you celebrate these. And we absolutely should. You know, like, you, like we said, we're used to white-knuckling it down to the, you know, the final week of the season. Don't have to worry about that at all this year. And it feels damn, damn good. Who gets your game ball tonight, Akash? Game ball? Well, a couple guys. So offensively, I think it has to go to Christian McCaffrey. I mean, you put up the numbers earlier. How many touches was it? 30... 32, I believe. 32 touches. I mean, short week coming off of three days where he also had, you know, big numbers last week. And to basically say, you know what, I'm going to put this offense on my back. You can lean on me here on a short week like that is huge. So he gets a game ball. And then the other game ball obviously has to go to Dre Greenlock, who I think, like you said, made the most impactful momentum changing play by forcing that fumble on Travis Homer, which effectively led, which led to the touchdown, right? I mean, they almost, the defense almost scored there on the fumble six. So I would go... Christian McCaffrey, Greg Greenlaw. Yeah, Greenlaw has been getting all sorts of love. And you actually had the tweet uh, about the 49ers linebackers in the Pro Bowl about how Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw should be higher up that Fred Warner himself actually saw and retweeted. So I guess you and Fred are like best buds now. 
I don't know if it's that. I don't even know how he found how he found it. He must have like searched his own name, maybe, or someone sent it to him. So I thought it was pretty funny. But I mean, yeah, Pro Bowl voting is what it is, right? It's what it's how I started off the tweet because it's like I get it, it's fan votes, like whatever, doesn't really matter. But I think these guys care because some of them have like contract incentives, and it means oh, a lot. Yeah. Right? When you look back, go go into like Hall of Fame voting and things like that. When people are like, oh, he's a ten time Pro Bowler, so these guys clearly care, and. You look across the board, Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw don't deserve to be that low in terms of the Pro Bowl numbers, and especially Dre Greenlaw. He's not even in the top 10, and he's been playing phenomenal this season, and they just they just deserve more love. And so hopefully a game like that on the national stage just kind of vaults them up the you know voting numbers. I'm going to give mine to D'Amico Ryans, and the reason I say that is this. You know, we've seen the 49ers come out flat sometimes. We've seen them come out and score right away and then go into a lull. Maybe they're just traveled. Maybe they're coming back from traveling on the East Coast, whatever the case may be. All I know is no matter what happens with this team, no matter what the schedule was, no matter what's going on, D'Amico Ryan's unit comes out every single game. They play at the exact same level, and that level is elite best in the league NFL defense. And it has been such, it's like bumpers at a bowling alley for a team. Like it's just such a comfort. Like they never let you down the consistency and the incredible level with which this team plays every single week, man. I put that on coaching. D'Amico Ryan's unit is always ready to go. They always bring the intensity and, you know, we, I don't want people to take it for granted because it's really freaking hard to do, and it's incredible. Absolutely. I mean, I think they came into this game over the last six or six games, right, over their six-game win streak, allowing basically 10.5 points per game, roughly. And what did they give up tonight? 13? 13. 13, so right around their average. I mean, their second-half numbers have been absolutely stupid. I think they've outscored teams like 87 to 24 over their last seven games, like numbers are off the charts. The talent is there, but then, you know, in 2019, they had all pro talent at all three levels. Yet. I think D'Amico Ryan's just pushes the right buttons at the right time. He's just a little bit more aggressive than Robert Sala. And it's somehow it's like that player in him, I think where he just, he feels where the game is going and you can feel that intensity and just has the right play dialed up at the right time. And you just have so much trust in this defense. You know, the 49ers get like a seven or a 10 point lead. And I'm like, you know, they'll be fine. They'll be all right. This defense isn't going to give up big plays. This defense isn't just going to get burned on consecutive drives, right? They may give up a play here or there, but for the large, you know, portion of the game, when it's hard to play defense in the NFL these days with the way the rules are, with the way offenses operate, this 49ers defense is just as good as it gets. And, you know, we talk about all the numbers, but I feel like what they've done this last two months should put D'Amico Ryans at the top of head coaching mm-hmm. team. And this defense should be widely considered the best in the deal, best in the business. And this stupid comment from Tim, Tim Johnson, I'm calling you out by name on the YouTube page. Did they play elite defense against the Chiefs? First of all, Tim, the game was 14-13 at halftime. So we're not even talking about an entire bad game from the defense. We're talking about two bad quarters. And yeah, they were bad against the Chiefs. Absolutely no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Patrick Mahomes ate their breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's two quarters out of an entire season. And you're sitting there whining and complaining about that and and bringing up that point like it's some great point that totally invalidates everything else D'Amico Ryan's. You are a clown, Tim. Get out of the show. You are banned. I'm banning you. That is a stupid comment. I can't. I just like that just drove me nuts. Yeah, they didn't play well that game. It is what it is. But when you're an elite defense, you're going to have bad games here or there. You could look and see the 2000 Ravens. I think they had given up a game similar to that. I remember talking to Dave Lombardi about that, where even the most elite defenses get torched one game. It happens. In that game, they had just gotten Bosa off of injury. I think they were missing a couple other guys. They had a, a two-game stretch against Atlanta and Kansas City where you were like, eh, okay, and they have answered the bell at every step of the way. I mean, they've played Justin Herbert. They've played – I mean, they've played division games against good teams. They played the Dolphins offense, which had come into the game scoring 30-plus points 
and their like last five or six games coming into that game, shut them down. They've answered every, they played Tom Brady, answered that test. And so you're allowed a bad game. It is what it is. And Chiefs and Mahomes, they do that week in and week out. So I'm sure if they got the chance to play again in the Super Bowl, that the Chiefs, I will bet everything I've got in my bank account that they don't score 44 again. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. Jason, watching on the YouTube page, I think we all hope to meet Ryan's hates of money and comes back next year. I mean, look, I thought he was gone after last year, so I guess it's always possible. But I just think there are going to be too many teams with openings. And like every single week with this guy, it's like resume, resume, resume. This is another chance in prime time in front of the world. Uh, I just, I don't see how he comes back with the, like what, if you're him, like what do you have to gain by returning to the 49ers next year? Absolutely. And I just think it's, you know, the opportunities that are available to him. I just think if you're a defensive guy, you're, I would, you know, if I was an owner, I would rather have an offensive guy, but yep. Um, so generally it feels like defensive guys, it takes a couple of years for you to really get those chances. Right. Like Robert Sala after 2019 had some interviews and then really in 2020 is when he was kind of the hottest candidate and then got basically whatever job he wanted. And it feels like that's where D'Amico Ryan's is headed this summer. And so it feels like he's just going to interview for five, six, seven jobs, pick whichever one he wants. And then, you know, hopefully the Niners hire <coughs> Vic Fangio and then, you know, just keep this train rolling. But we're a long way a long from way. that. And we don't need to think about it tonight. All we need to think about is that your San Francisco 49ers are the champions in the NFC West. They will be a top three seed in the NFC. And even with their third string, seventh round rookie quarterback, they are still the team that nobody in the NFC wants to play. And that is worth celebrating. We should be happy about it. Akash, I'm going to let you go so that you can celebrate because this is a damn good night. Now you can just enjoy the football on Sunday and Saturday too this week. This is a great sports weekend. You got the World Cup final this weekend also. You got football Saturday, football Sunday. This is a damn good weekend. And it all starts with the 49ers and the NFC West title. So for Akash Anavarathan, I'm Rob Stats Guerrero again saying please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Subscribe to the Niners Nation YouTube channel. Enjoy the win, everybody, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.